All right. How's everybody doing today? So welcome to Once Upon a Time in Texas. My name is Michael Mitchell. I'm based out of Wichita Falls, Texas. Been here for <clears throat> quite a number of years. And uh, I've had this interest in starting a podcast for quite some time and just never really knew what to do it on. And I've started to have a lot of friends and other people that I talked to that said, you know, we just don't know a whole lot about, you know, Texas, what, you know, Texas really is, I guess. And, you know, that's really kind of a hard question to answer. There's lots of myth and lore, legend uh, surrounding Texas, lots of different cultures, um, lots of different, uh, heck, even environmental areas in Texas. Texas is just a, a really cool and fascinating place. Now, with all this being said, um, I'm not saying that other places aren't interesting and don't have a ton of history. Um, certainly they are. But, um, you know, Texas just has its own unique culture. And it seems like everybody around the world knows at least a little something about Texas. And so I thought, you know, maybe I'll just start a podcast and we'll talk about some of these cool things. So it's going to be a little bit of history, education, fun, you know, lore, legend, all this kind of stuff. So the whole purpose is really just to entertain, educate, and inform, um, basically just about Texas. So, uh, a lot of folks are kind of wondering, you know, well, why are you doing this, Mike? Well, that's a good question. Um, really, it's just like what I just talked about. Lots of people are, are moving here. Lots of people have lived here for a long time. And maybe they don't really know um, a whole lot about Texas. So I moved here when I was 10 and pretty much been here ever since, except for a stint where I was working out in New Mexico at Philmont Scout Ranch for a couple of summers. And then when I was in uh, college at Oklahoma State, the rest of the time I've lived here in Texas and I've just always found its, its history and culture very fascinating. So really, that's about it. Before we get too far into it, I would like to say that we do have a sponsor. Some of y'all are going to laugh at this because the sponsor is, uh, well, it's me, Michael Mitchell. So back in May of this year, uh, or I'm sorry, May of last year, 2022, I decided to leave teaching. I'd been a teacher for five years, and before that, um, I, I did some stuff with the Farm Credit Agency. Um and then before that, I spent 13 years working for the Boy Scouts of America um, for two different councils, the one here in Wichita Falls, the Northwest Texas Council for a decade. And uh, I did three years down at San Angelo at what is now the Texas Southwest Council. Uh, it was the Concha Valley Council when I worked there. And I think it was really at that time <clears throat> that it really kind of piqued my interest when I worked out in West Texas because I had 21,000 square miles of West Texas. And uh, I drove Junction to Fort Stockton and as far south as Sanderson, um, up north to Crane, just south of uh, Midland, Odessa. And it was fascinating because when you leave San Angelo, just uh, even the terrain kind of tends to change once you get out towards Fort Stockton. And so... Uh, if you're driving east to west, so from Junction to Fort Stockton and Junction, you have a lot of a very lush area, lots of trees and rivers. It's just a beautiful place. I think they call it the front porch to West Texas or something like that. Um, 
And then you get out to uh, Fort Stockton, which is considered the uh, northernmost point of the Chihuahuan Desert. And so you see a lot of the trees and vegetation, things like that change. And it's very cool. And it's also kind of the same here in Wichita Falls. So as you move west, you start heading out towards Amarillo. And again, just the, the trees and shrubs and vegetation kind of change. And uh, things in Amarillo, four hours west of here, are very different. But uh, if you start heading east, straight east of here, and you get over towards uh, uh, a little east of Henrietta, kind of close to Nocona, and start heading that way, you start kind of getting into the the rolling hills of East Texas. And, you know, again, the trees and vegetation and everything starts looking a little different. And I think that's the same for a lot of places here in Texas. Um, just the uh, in different environmental or biological zones, um, ecosystems that we have here is just really fascinating. It's just re- really, really a cool state. But, you know, we're, we'll get into all that kind of later. Um, so back to the sponsor, I guess. So the sponsor's me. Um, I left teaching back in May and uh, decided to uh, get into mortgages. So I, I work for uh, a lady now. Her name is Debbie Dobbins. She's here in town. Um, she is my broker. She owns a company called Miracle Mortgage. And so we are independent mortgage loan originators right here in Wichita Falls. We can do loans anywhere in the state of Texas. Um, We can do FHA, VA, um, conventional, construction, pretty much you name it. We can do it. Or if if we can't do it, we'll find somebody who can. And so that's been a lot of fun. So if you know somebody, tell them to check me out. My, uh, My website is themichaelmitchell.com. So that's T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. So anyway, go check it out. But let's go ahead and jump into what I was going to do today. So that kind of gives you a whole lot of uh, uh, the back history here. And we're just going to go ahead and move on forward. My intent is to keep these podcasts, I don't know, anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes long. Again, most of them are going to focus on lore, myth, legends, characters, you know, culture, just kind of things in Texas. I'll try to keep them focused on one thing. I am going to try to have some guests every now and then, uh, and just kind of see how things go and, uh, you know, just kind of work on it from there. So anyway, um, so today we're going to talk about just basically some general facts of Texas. And then also, you know, everybody knows about six flags over Texas and I'm not talking about the theme park down in DFW, which is awesome by the way but i think a lot of folks have heard about the six flags over texas and so we're going to talk about that a little bit and uh, the six countries flags that have flown over texas uh, in its history thus far Um, but i did find in doing a little history on this today that there's possibly a seventh flag and there's kind of a little bit of an argument as to whether it should be counted or not so there's the mystery for today let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Texas. So Texas obviously is, is huge. 268,596 square miles to be exact. We have over 30 million residents as of 2022. We are the second largest U S state, um, by area just right after Alaska and by population right after California. So as most people probably know, 
We share borders with the states of Louisiana to our east, Arkansas to our northeast. We just touch a little bit. We even have a town named Texarkana, where half of the town or part of the town is in Texas. Part of it's in Arkansas. Um, Oklahoma to our north, New Mexico to our west, and then, of course, the Mexican states of Chihuahua, Coahuila, Nueva León, and uh, Tamal. Shoot, I never can say this. Tamalapas, I think is how you say it, to the south and southwest. And then we have a coastline right on the Gulf of Mexico. So lots and lots of cool stuff. Houston, of course, is our most populous city here in Texas. It is the fourth largest in the U.S. Um, and then San Antonio is right behind it. It's the second most populous in the state and the seventh largest in the U.S. And then we also have a DFW, Dallas-Fort Worth. And so, yeah, lots of, lots of cool stuff. But let's just start right now with where the word Texas came from. That's kind of a, sta- uh, kind of a strange word, and everybody just assumes it's Spanish. And it kind of is, kind of isn't. And so we'll talk about that right quick. So Texas is actually based on a Caddo word, um, Tasha. So it means friend which is kind of interesting since our state motto is friendship. So it was applied in spelling to Tejas, eventually T-E-J-A-S, and sometimes the current spelling T-E-X-A-S by the Spanish um, to the Caddo themselves. So the the Caddo tribes, specifically the uh, Hassanai Confederacy, as I guess it's called, um, they had... The Mission San Francisco de los Tejas, right outside of the uh, Hassanai village of Nabadachis in about May of 1690. And that's right down in Houston County over in uh, East Texas. And so a lot of this kind of came about because the Spanish colonial rule, um, I guess Texas was called several different things. At one time it was called Nuevas Filipinas meaning New Philippines or Nuevo Riano de Filipinas. So New Kingdom of the Philippines. Or sometimes it was Provincia de las Tejas, so province of Tejas. And later also Provincia de Texas or Tejas, so the province of Texas. And so I guess it was uh, officially incorporated as Provincia de Texas in the little bit of history that I've looked at. Um It was incorporated into the Mexican Empire in 1821 and then, of course, declared a republic in 1836. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But I just thought Tejas was kind of interesting. Everybody assumes that it's Spanish. And although it kind of is, it's also kind of not. It actually came from uh, the Caddo Native Americans and it meant friend. And so they took how the Spanish took how they heard um, the Caddo's saying it and turned it into a Spanish word. So thought that was pretty interesting stuff. So I always like that. So, um, let's kind of jump into kind of the, the six flags over Texas. So a lot of people don't know this. Um, and a lot of people do. So basically I'm just going to hit all these real quick. And so the six flags that flew over Texas are Spain which was 1519 to 1685. And then again, from 1690 to 1821. So Spain really had, you know, Texas as it, as it is for quite some time. 
Uh, France had it from 1685 to 1690. Mexico, when uh, they had their independence from Spain from 1821 to 1836. Then the Republic of Texas from 1836 to 1845. And then eventually the United States from 1845 to 1861. Then the Confederate States of America during the Civil War from 1861 to 1865, and then back into the United States from 1865 to current day. So, yeah, that's a lot of history there. I mean, gosh, we're going all the way back to 1519. We're talking, what, uh, I don't know, 500 years at this point? That's that's a long time. And I know there's countries in Europe that have been around way longer, and you know, I get reminded by friends in uh, Scotland and Ireland and Denmark, they're like, pfft. Dude, we have outhouses that are older than uh, <laughs> than your entire state and country. And I'm like, well, I know, but it's still cool to us. So uh, really, so the first flag belonged to Spain. And when we say, you know, Texas flew under these flags, you got to remember, again, Texas is a big place and it's actually changed shapes a lot of times. It's not the current recognizable shape that everybody around the world knows. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that pretty much anywhere you go in the world, um, there are a few things that you can show people and they kind of know what they are. One is the, you know, the Harley Davidson badge, you know, people know the Harley Davidson stuff. Coca-Cola is another big brand. Um, but the Texas flag, and then also just the general shape of Texas, uh, very recognizable and people know it everywhere. So anyway, um, basically when they say these six flags were over Texas, that, that means mm, the majority of the land that they've got now. So the first flag, of course, belonged to Spain, which ruled most of Texas from 1519 to 1685, and then again, 1690 to 1821. So they actually flew over us twice. So they had three different types of Spanish flags um, were used. And they're kind of cool looking. So if you get a chance to get on and uh, look at them, one is called the castle and the lion. So the arms of the crown of Castile. So, or it's also called the flag of Castile and Leon. Then they had the cross of Burgundy, which is kind of like a big X with, I guess, little feathers on it. It was a military and uh, maritime flag um, that was also used by the viceroys of New Spain. And then the, uh, oh, good Lord, I'm going to mess this up. The Rohigalda, uh, I guess is what it's called, introduced by King Charles III in 16, or I'm sorry, 1785, um, which contained the horizontal stripes of red, gold, and red, and the simple arms of Castile and Leon. So the third flag was used by Spain in various forms to the present day and is still used um, in the reverse of the seal of Texas. So I think that's kind of neat. So then we, uh, you know, we kind of jump into, let's go take a look at France. So 1684. So the second flag was the Royal banner of the kingdom of France. I love these, love the wording, you know, the Royal banner. It's not just a flag. It's a banner. So the kingdom of France from 1684 to 1690. So in 1684, this French nobleman, René Robert Cavalier, um, Sieur de La Salle, I'm probably messing that up because I'm not French. So he founded a colony on the Texas Gulf Coast and called it Fort St. Louise. Um, the colony was unsuccessful, and after La Salle's murder, uh, 
was also abandoned. <laughs> so during this time, no official French flag existed. So a number of designs um, we use today um, display in the Six Flags. So uh, later on in 1800, Spain ceded Louisiana to France under the Third Treaty of San uh, Edifonso. So French Louisiana included northern sections of Texas. So it remained in the hands of France until 1803 uh, when France sold the Louisiana Territory to the United States. Um, However, what was later northern Texas was sold back to Spain years later. So that's just kind of a little bit of back and forth and back and forth and, you know, who knows. Just kind of a weird time, I guess. So they had that little bit of time, 1685 to 1690, that uh, I guess they just kind of lived on the Gulf Coast. French had a great time. So, and I think that's also back in the time where there were lots of French, um, uh, well, they were exploring and doing lots of trapping and stuff like that. And that's, I'm sure, a whole other history lesson. So then, uh, then we jump on up here to Mexico. So the third flag that flew over Texas was 1821 to 1836. It was the flag of Mexico. So Mexico's independence was recognized by Spain in September of 1821. Um, That, again, is a whole bunch of other history with Mexico's independence and everything. But so basically what we display um, in the capital at this point of one of the uh, six flags that flew over Texas is one of the Mexican Republic of 1823 through 1864. So um, that flag specifically was in use in Texas until its independence from Mexico in 1836, which we all know about. So then we jump into flag number four. So 1836 to 1845, this is the Republic of Texas. People in Texas are still very proud of this. We were our own country, dang it. Um, there's even a huge motorcycle rally here called the ROT rally, R-O-T stands for Republic of Texas. Very proud. And this is where also a lot of Texans like to throw out the stuff about, um, this is where we could secede from the United States. Um, and there's also a different way that we came in to the United States because we were actually our own country first, um, where lots of the other states weren't. So it's kind of interesting. So the fourth flag was to the Republic of Texas, 1836 to 1845. Um, It had two national flags during its history. The first being what they called the Burnett flag, uh, B-U-R-N-E-T, Burnett or Burnett. And uh, then you have the Lone Star flag. So the final national flag, which became the state flag that we all know and love today. And so... um, We'll talk about that one a little more here in a minute. So, but the one, the Republic of Texas is what they call the Burnett flag, which is basically blue with a single yellow star in the middle. So kind of interesting there. So then all goes along pretty happy go lucky there. Uh, Not really. There was lots of strife and stuff for those nine years that we were our own country. Um, But then the United States takes us in. So 1845, um, the fifth and also the current flag um, for the United States. So we joined in 1845 uh, upon secession. Texas abandoned this flag for its sixth until readmission to the Union in 1865. So um, kind of a fun deal, you know, 
not really fun, I guess, but, you know, we had the Republic of Texas and then we go into the United States and then the whole civil war thing happened. And we all know the history on that. And so we seceded. And so, uh, the sixth flag is, well, I guess technically the fifth, um, I don't know. It's, it's so hard because several of these countries had two together, but the other flag, the last, the, the last flag, the sixth flag that flew over Texas would belong to the Confederate States of America. Um, so, and at that time they had three different national flags. Um, everybody knows of course the rebel flag, um, which there's lots of discussion about hatred and racism and stuff like that with it. But actually one of the flags is, is actually kind of pretty. It's, it's, uh, very similar to the United States flag in that it's, uh, got red and white stripes. It's got two red stripes and one white stripe. It's got a blue field in the upper left, and then it's got a ring of stars. And so it doesn't look like the Confederate flag that people think of all the time. It's actually very different. So you might, you might go look it up. It's kind of cool. And so then, of course, after uh, everything happened with the Civil War, boom, we're right back to the United States flag that we all know and love today. So, yeah, six, um, six different flags. So we'll go back and hit that again. So Spain, France, sorry, let me back up. Spain twice, France once for five years, Mexico for about 14 years, the Republic of Texas for nine years, the Confederate States of America for four years, and then now the United States of America, um, of course, 1865 to present. And then for a few years, almost uh, 20 years, looks like uh, actually 16 years from 1845 to 1861. So, man, a lot of people have really been, you know, looking out for Texas, I guess, all these years. But now if you think back to earlier in the podcast, you're probably thinking, well, Mike, you said there's some uh, question here whether there were six or seven flags over Texas. And you know what? You're right. There was an interesting thing when I was doing uh, a little bit of um, research, and I guess there's some there's some argument about it. So the six flags over Texas um, basically started to describe the six sovereign countries um, that have had control over some or at least most of the current territory of Texas. And so that's kind of where we get the six flags. But there's another little interesting piece of history um, that gets left out a lot. And that is the Republic of the Rio Grande. So this was actually an independent nation that insurgents fighting against the Centralist Republic of Texas um, sought to establish in northern Mexico. So the Republic of the Rio Grande um, was one of a series of independence movements against um, or in Mexico against the unitary government do- uh, dominated by Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana, who we all know from, uh, you know, the Alamo and all that, Santa Ana or Santa Ana, however you decide to say it. And so... Um, That was one, and then there was another big one, the Republic of the Yucatan, that was down in Mexico. But a little background here on the the seventh flag, the seventh possible flag, I guess. 
So after a decade or so after Mexico had won its independence from Spain in 1821, um, it failed to attempt a monarchy. So Mexico adopted a new constitution. So the 1824 constitution, this new constitution comes out and establishes the United Mexican States as a federal Republic. So this is a good thing. It's kind of similar to the United States. You know, we're Republic people get to vote, all that kind of stuff. So during the war for independence, a lot of the rebels, uh, a lot of the people that didn't want this were driven to uh, Coahuila and Nueva Leon. And so this revolutionary mentality kind of stuck around. People were still upset. They, they didn't want Mexico being independent, I guess, kind of from what I gather. So in 1833, General Santa Ana is elected to his first term as president and at the time of his election was in support of a federal republic. And of course, as things go sometimes with government, um, some other members really angered Santa Ana's political allies and Santa Ana decided, well, this is a bunch of crap. So uh, we're just going to go with the centralized government. Santa Ana suspends the constitution, disbands Congress and makes himself the big cheese over Mexico. And so, you know, it kind of, I, I guess it kind of makes sense depending on, you know, I wasn't there, but, uh, and I don't know a whole lot about Mexican history, but, uh, anyway, so basically Santa Ana gets in control and then takes over and basically goes, tells everybody to go pound sand. So anyway, a uh, couple of guys get together in 1839. They're a little irritated. One guy, the kind of the main guy that they, they talk about in this history is Antonio Canales. Uh, he was summoned. Um, he summoned a convict, a boy, I can't talk today. He summoned a convention at the office of the justice of La Peace in Laredo, which is now in Texas, um, where the constitution of 1824 was unanimously approved. So basically they wanted to go back to this original constitution. So he starts building an army, going through the countryside, recruiting pretty much anybody who would listen, um, including some Texas colonels who, you know, basically Texas was like, eh, you know what, we can't really jump in too much, but we can encourage people to go help. And so uh, at this time, they were pretty free to travel both sides of the Rio Grande. This happened a lot. I'm reading a really good book right now called War on the Border. Um, that was the about early 1900s in Pancho Villa. So it's really interesting. Uh, and if you've ever lived or worked down there, uh, it's really interesting that people move back and forth across the border, you know, pretty, pretty easy and pretty often. Like it's, it, it's pretty commonplace. I even ate at a restaurant once in Comstock, Texas, where the guy said, you know, it was too expensive or too big a pain in the butt to raise all of his produce uh, on the United States side. So he actually had a farm on the Mexico side. And that's where he would go pick all of his stuff for his fantastic salsa and everything was at his farm in Mexico, just, you know, a half mile away right across the river. So it was interesting. So anyway, these guys kind of put together this army and they faced the Mexican army a few times in battle. And, uh, they have a little help from, you know, their buddies, the Texans that jumped in. Cause you know, those guys like to fight and beat people up back then. And so, they have this rebellion, and on January 17th, 1840, they have a meeting at a place called the Oravania Ranch near Laredo, Texas. So a group of notables, you know, big cheeses, I guess, from the states of Coahuila, Nuevo León, and 
Tom, I never can say this right. Tamabal, Tamalipas. So advocated for the rebellion, seeking secession from Mexico and the formation of their own federal government with Laredo as the capital. And so they kind of get together. They decide, you know what? This is what we're going to do. Even though they didn't have the support of those governments from those states, Coahuila, Nuevo Leon, and the Tamalipas. Screwing that up, I know I am. So they decided to get together and say, you know what? We don't have a lot of support from those guys, but who cares? We're going to start our own republic. And so the Republic of the Rio Grande is formed. And they even had an official newspaper, uh, Carrillo del Rio Bravo del Norte. And their state motto was Dios, Libertad y Convention. So God, Liberty and Convention. And so um, they had a few of these guys. Jesus de Cardenas was sworn in as the president of the new republic. Antonio Canales is the commander in chief and one of the founding fathers. And then there's several others. You know, they have council representatives and a secretary of state and all that kind of stuff. And so remember, this is January 1840. They get together. In March of 1840, they have a battle at Santa Rita de Morelos. And so I'm not sure where that is, but it's down there on the border, um, close to Victoria, Texas, I believe. And so anyway, things kind of go well. Looks like, you know, the, uh, the Republic of the Rio Grande wins. And so they're really filling their oats. Um, and some of the guys flee to Texas, you know, to kind of recoup. And then we go on, uh, to a little bit later to October. And then there's a battle called the battle of Saltillo. And I'm trying to remember here where it was. It was fought near Victoria, Texas. So again, right on the, the current border and, Basically, a bunch of the generals jump ship. They move to the other side because they don't really see them winning. And uh, all is lost. And so anyway, they get defeated. And the guy that was kind of leading the charge, General Canales, uh, Canales um, secretly enters negotiations in November of 1840. And then he surrender, surrendered at uh, Camargo. So but he also accepts a position as an officer in Santa Ana's ar- uh, army. And as part of the conditions of surrender, no harm would come to the property or safety of former members of the Republic. So the Republic's debts would all be assumed as well. And a few days after Canales's surrender, uh, President Cardenas and other officials entered into Laredo to officially surrender. And so it didn't last very long. It looked like it was only well, a little less than a year, about 10 months, actually. But, you know, that's pretty good. You know, you're kind of bringing together an uprising. You say to heck with who we're under currently. We're going to start our own dang republic. And, you know, then all of a sudden things aren't going well. And you go, huh, well, you know what? Maybe it's time to surrender. And so you do. And you say, well, listen, not only am I going to surrender, but, you know, I want to be an officer in your army. And they say, okay. And, oh, by the way, we had some debts (laughs) that we picked up along the way. And uh, we want you to pick those up. And they say, well. Okay. (laughs) And so I guess it all worked out. And so, uh, but again, their flag, the Republic of the Rio Grande 
Uh, it has a red hoist with three white stars run evenly along the hoist. The three stars represent the three states that seceded, uh, Coahuila, Nueva Leon, and the one I always mess up, um, Tamalap. Oh, gosh, I don't know why I can get this. Uh, Tamalapias. And so they fly, the fly is split into a white upper fly and a black lower fly. It's really kind of cool. But down in uh, the city of Zapata, um, I'm sorry, Zapata County, as well as the city of Zapata are named in honor of a Republic of Rio Grande Cavalry Commander, uh, Colonel Jose Antonio de Zapata. And they do have a Republic of the Rio Grande Capitol Building Museum is located in Laredo, Texas. I've never been down there, and uh, but I'd like to go check it out someday. And so, in addition to these six flags that flew over Texas, there are some people that really uh, push to say, you know what, there ought to be a seventh. And I suspect that they are not let into, um, I guess, the realm, the six flags, um, because they were not their own sovereign country. I guess maybe there's some argument over whether that's they're sovereign or not. Kind of like uh, the argument whether Pluto's a real planet still or not. I'm still holding out. Pluto, you'll never be forgotten, man. So anyway, uh, there you go. So we'll go ahead just for this podcast and say, you know what? We'll add that. We'll, I, you know what? We'll call it the six and a half flags that flew over Texas. So we'll cover it one more time and just hit it. We had Spain... France, Mexico, the Republic of Texas, the Confederate States of America, the United States of America, and then for a short time, the Republic of the Rio Grande. So there you have it, folks. Give me some feedback. Let me know. Jump on my uh, Facebook group and page. Let me know what you guys think. Um, give me some ideas. I love myth, lore, legend. I like researching this, um, to try to figure some of this stuff out, you know, shoot me a message, um, through the Facebook page once upon a time in Texas or the Facebook group once upon a time in Texas. I'll do my best to check those, uh, any myth, lore, or legends that you guys think about. I want to hear it. And then of course, you know, my favorite sponsor, uh, me miracle mortgage, at themichaelmitchell.com. So if you know somebody that's needing a home loan, if they are moving from far away to Texas, or if you are just already in Texas and you're wanting to buy a house, let me know. Look me up. Start an application. Themichaelmitchell.com. T-H-E, michaelmitchell.com. So listen, y'all have a great day. Keep it real. And remember the stars at night are big and bright deep in the heart of Texas.